Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. <laughs> oh, is Theo? Imagine he's under the bed here. I wonder if he's under the bed. And we're talking about our cats. It's not like we have we're we don't have like a kid that we treat like Harry Potter and just leave under the the bed or the stairs. <laughs> no, we're just those people that refer to our pets like that. Could be worse. One of them could have an Instagram account. <laughs> I since I'm giving a talk, I have the door closed to the bedroom. Otherwise, we would have a cat that would just be jumping up here and looking at the camera and knocking into the microphone and knocking pens on the ground. And then I would be like, everybody, we need to live calmly and peacefully and with grace. And then you'd see me be like, get out of my get out of my room. Oh man one of those cats that knows all the buttons to push and then turns on all the super cuteness. And so you're like, Oh, I can't stay mad. Oh, right. We're getting some people. All right. Got five people here right now. So let's do it. Move over sermon on the Mount. We got five people <laughs> and my uh, star Wars mug. Technically, my wife's Star Wars mug, but what's hers is mine, and what's mine is hers. But yeah, we're going to be talking about the Bible today. Um, we're going to talk about some conversations that I had with some atheist slash agnostic slash agnostic atheists, but not in a bad way. A lot of it's all my my personal interactions and the points that they raise and what it makes me think of. And so it'll be fun. It'll be good. And then of course, I'm sure we'll talk about some wrestling, some WWE. Because I've been watching a lot of it on uh, streaming and it's been a lot of fun. Right now I'm watching the Triple H and Batista rivalry from start to finish. And so we just watched WrestleMania 21. And that was a good one. That was a really good one. So all my notes that I did for my talk were, I wrote down with a pen that my mom made. It's crazy. She's crazy. She like does it on like a lathe. Hey, Linda, how's it going? But what's crazy about this is you won't really be able to see. So I, that says 0 0.7 because that's a mechanical pencil. But then it's, it goes blue, blue, black, red. And depending on which way is up is determines the pen you get. It's crazy. But yeah, so that's all my notes were written with this bad boy. She also got me um, like a, a journal, but my, <laughs> my biggest problem with journals like this is I like them so much that I'm scared to use them. And so I just, they just collect dust because well, I love them too much. I don't know. Hey, Charles, Linda, Chris, how's it going? All right. Ooh. So I had 
this is what like my notes. <laughs> Chris gets it. Like this is this is what I'm I'm like with my notes when I'm working on a talk. See, it's all gibberish, but they're all crossed out because I number the ideas and then I organize them like nice and neatly so I could actually read them when I talk to you guys. So I cross them out so I don't do it. But this this was um a journal that I didn't like that much and it was free, so that's why I use it no problem. All right, so what do you say uh, we get started? So I'll take my uh, sip of water. No, it really is water. And it's flat water, so I kind of sort of learned my lesson to not drink carbonated beverages. But Okay, so um, thank everyone for, thank you everyone for joining. So the, um, as you guys know, I'm pretty open and honest about my mental health. That's kind of like my thing and everything because uh, I'm wanting to break down stigmas and barriers with it. Um, so there's a, a song that I highly recommend to everyone, regardless of if you struggle with mental health or not. Um, it's called Better Son or Daughter by Rilo Kiley. And it is a tremendously great song um because it it like meets you where you are but also is encouraging and like empowering without being annoying you know how like a lot of times you're like oh i'm you know i'm really um really in it today depressed down and people are like oh go for a walk fresh air helps and you're like yeah uh no not really but so this song is just really great about acknowledging that like sometimes when you're on you're on. And sometimes when you're not, it's no good. Um, sometimes you have like these high, like your highs are so extreme and it, everything feels great. And you're singing along to songs on the radio, but then the other times where the lows are so extreme that the good is feels cheap. And um, that was tricky to get through because there is bad language in it. And I, I wouldn't mind saying it in front of you guys, but then I'll probably have to just edit it out. And I don't want to have to do that. So, um, but it's really great. And so in that sense, uh, for the most part, I have felt fairly decent in comparison to how I have felt um, maybe like a month ago, you know, so it's, it's still riding the wave, but I have a little bit more clarity. I don't know if it's because we're getting all these false springs <laughs> in New York, or maybe it's because I discovered that Peacock has every WWE match ever. So, um, so that's why maybe I'm feeling better. I don't know, but the, uh, um, but I do still get down. And the thing that gets me down the most, um, from an external factor is the, the divide, especially in this country. It just, it drives you crazy because when people, maybe if they're not living in America or anything, they're thinking of a divide. Maybe they're thinking of like old, like civil war time where there's an actual line across the country and no, but this it's so exhausting now because everything's so intermingled that you're just never free from um, the divide um, at all. Just like every interaction is something and it's just, it drives you crazy. Um, 
also because it was never always like this. There was a time many years ago where you had basically you had political friends and you had non-political friends. You'd be like, oh yeah, oh no, he gets like that sometimes. You know, you know, Mark, he's just he's very political. And then other people just never talked about politics because they didn't care. And now everyone talks about it all the time, regardless of the subject. And if the subject doesn't um, fit, they'll like wedge it in. And um, clarification, so I don't have to keep saying it. When I say like they and everything, I'm talking about everybody. I'm not picking on a side or a belief structure because from where I'm standing, if you are my friend on like Instagram or in real life, you know that I like can't stand everyone equally. Um, but yeah, so we used to have like a break in it because you would have political friends and non-political friends and you could just go to a movie and it would just be a movie and it wouldn't feel like it was sucking the life out of you. But, you know, I'll be talking at work. I was talking about Elvis because one of the other reasons I brought up my mental health a few minutes ago is um, I don't know what it is. I'm trying to work it out. It's been a lifelong thing that I get very fixated and focused on things. The lower my mental health is, which explains my obsession with wrestling now. And before it, I was obsessed with Elvis and, and like obsessed is like a real word. I'm not just like over exaggerating. Like I'll learn, I'll, I'll learn everything about the guy. <laughs> I'll watch all these documentaries, same with wrestling. You know, I um, only had been into wrestling recently, except when I was like a very young kid. And I'll be talking to my friends that are wrestling fans. And they're like, how do you know this stuff already? You, like, this is not common knowledge. And it's like, no, I just dive all in. But before that, um, like I said, I was into Elvis and I was talking about Elvis and then how he's so fascinating because the king of pop, uh, king of rock and roll, sorry. And he's the most famous person in the world. No one's ever been this famous, but he's also only lived a fraction of a life because of how much everyone was draining him and how much Colonel Parker was um, like using him as kind of like this cash whale. And someone point um, pointed out that the reason why Colonel Parker, that was Elvis's manager, was able to do all this stuff is because somehow in his shadiness, he found a loophole that he wasn't really a citizen of any country. So like he couldn't face charges for things. It was just very weird. I don't know how he did it. Maybe it was a lot easier back then. And so that's literally what the conversation was, was talking about Elvis and how much I love him. And then someone listening to the conversation, hears this bit about Colonel Parker and just goes, Oh, maybe he snuck in through the Mexican border since that's what everybody does. And you're like, that had nothing to do with any part of this conversation. We were talking about music from the sixties and seventies and biographies and everything. But so it's just like, that's what it's like today, especially in America. I, I don't know if it's like that all over the world. Um, and just like everything. And so you can't even like, um, as like a aspiring writer <laughs> myself, I also find it's annoying that it's also if any uh, 
if any character is written and they're not like a straight white male, then it's all, oh, the agenda, all this agenda. And you're like, no, there's sometimes there's other characters that exist and you want to explore them. And um, so that's been re really um, draining on me. And, uh, you know, I was even asked semi-recently, they said, um, you know, Josh, could you, do you think you could ever be friends with a conservative? And this like, blew my mind because I am friends with a ton of conservatives. I work at an engineering firm, which is a very conservative industry. My family, I'm me and my wife are, and for my media family are the only like liberals and stuff like that. And it's like, no, I, I'm, I could be friends with everybody because only up until recently was it like, no, if they don't agree with a hundred percent of everything that you're thinking then and feeling that you can't be friends you got to cut them out of your life and um and that just wasn't always the case and i understand that sometimes now with the internet and things being brought to life um you know people get on this this stance of you know but some things are just too important to have different views on it's like but we always but you probably always did have that different view from them you just didn't know it because up until recently, people didn't feel the need to talk about everything um, all the time and start like and like search for outrage and start fights. Um, so like what changed, you know, so if you knew them and you liked them for years and then all of a sudden you found out their stance on this political issue or they like this person, then all of a sudden all of that's thrown out because they like something you like and all the 95% of the stuff that you have in common that kept you friends for all these years is thrown out for the 5% that you disagree with. Anyways. So that is drives me that um, drives me crazy. And it's like, so when it's like, even post me, could you be friends with a conservative? It's like, why would I throw out a friendship and a relationship over a politician that's a stranger to me on every level, I know zero about their life. They don't care about me at all. Even if I voted for them, they wouldn't care. They wouldn't, they wouldn't cross the street to help me. So like, why would I pick, like put that over my actual friends and family and relationships? Um, so, um, <laughs> so all this, is because, like I said, I've been um, in my mental state. I got really into WWE wrestling, which I wasn't a fan of since I was probably 10 years old. And, you know, once Hulk Hogan lost to The Undertaker, then I, I meant um, Hulk Hogan lost to The Ultimate Warrior. I was probably out. This little Hulkamaniac's heart was broken. And then I, you know, for almost 30 years, didn't watch it. And now I'm um, obsessed with it. And I'm diving in. And I, I was thinking about how divided we are. And um, then I saw a quote that Roddy, Rowdy Roddy Piper said, because he was known for being such a great heel and um, making people hate him. And he goes, whenever they think they got the answer, I changed the question. And that's exactly what it feels like today, that anytime you're making progress, they just change it up. And then you're just as far. Um, at, like as you were, it's like, oh, we were just so close to an answer. Then you changed the question so that we could keep being divided and fighting. And um, 
for any Canadian listeners, there's this band, The Weaker Thens, and they have a song called Manifest. And there's a line in it where they go, um, when near is just as far away as far. And that just sounds, that just feels exactly what it's like now. It's just every time you get closer, you're just as far as you were when you were far away. And so I love when I start a sentence and take a sip. Um, but, you know, being so fed up and one of the plus sides of not really caring about either sides because they drive me crazy is I get to be kind of like an observer more than a participant in a lot of aspects. And one thing that I found um, is that each side of an issue or political debate, they practice a ton of grace. They just never extend it across the aisle to the other side. So, um, you know, a good example in American politics is now the um, classified documents, right? When it was found out that the former president had all these con con um, confidential documents, their side was like, it's no, it's no big deal. Like it happens. Oh, what do you like? Who cares? It's a witch hunt, all this stuff. And now it comes out that the current president has all these classified documents and then they are the side that was just making excuses is outraged. And the side that was outraged is now making excuses. So it's like, we understand the concept of showing grace. We just never want to extend it to someone that is not on our side. And it really made me like, I'll be watching wrestling with my wife and one of the great ongoing bits in professional wrestling is the commentators. You have like the good commentator and then the bad guy, the heel commentator. And it's like a perfect summation of what we're going through today. Cause you'll have um, like, you'll have triple H get a chair, go in and he's hitting Batista. And then the commentator, Jerry, the King Lawler is like, this is a great strategy from the 10 time champ. You know, you can't, he's a cerebral assassin. You can't, you know, go wrong with that. And then all of a sudden the tides will turn and Batista will get the chair and hit him with it. And then the same commentator is like, this is an outrage. They should stop the match. How could he be doing this? This is cheating. This is cheating, JR. And it's just like, it's so funny because that's just society in a nutshell these days. Um, so, um, and so I was thinking like, you know, if we could have this, like fair grace. And I, I do it like that because fair grace is kind of an oxymoron because grace in its nature, especially how like, you know, revolution views it, Jay views it, I view it. It's not fair in nature, right? Like, um, and that's the whole point of grace is that you don't really earn it. You don't deserve it, but it's given to you. But if we could show the, the same grace to other people that we show to people that we agree with so much could be, um, fixed and we could actually progress as people and a nation and a world. So, um, <clears throat> because the, the issue with showing grace to someone you, you disagree with is that it requires patience because the outcome and the fruits of that planted seed of grace 
doesn't just all of a sudden you go to sleep. It's not Jack and the Beanstalk where you go to sleep and all of a sudden all the fruits are are there. It um, it's something that even Jesus talks about in uh, Mark four, where uh, he's talking about um, a parable of of planting a seed. But it's not the parable that we probably mostly associate with. Some of it fell on the good soil. Some of it fell among the weeds. But this one is he plants a seed and the seed grows, but we don't know how it grows. We don't know what it's doing under the earth, but it will grow and it does grow. And then eventually you will see the harvest of, of your crop. And, you know, sometimes it takes years um, and that could be frustrating. You know, I don't know if anyone's fan of the uh, the band Me Without You, but in their song Sweater Poorly Knit, one of my favorite songs of all time, he says, I've planted rows of seeds by the first week of July. They should have come up to my knees, but they were maybe ankle high. And sometimes that's how it feels, right? When you're sh- when you're trying to be patient and show grace and and you kind of could get the feeling of like, oh, I thought it would have yielded more than this. So that's very frustrating. You know, I thought it would at least come up to my knees and it's not even up to my ankles. Like, um, what, the, like, what's the deal with that? Cause it could be so frustrating. And, um, that concept has been something that I've, I've really clung to even before, way, way, way before I knew, um, about revolution before I even knew about Jay, I was talking about like, this is going on over 20 years ago. Uh, growing up, I had my, my group of friends from high school and, um, something about being with them really started to plant a seed in me about deconstruction. And it's not anything they were saying because growing up, I grew up in the church. I was, you know, Christian at, at that age, I was probably very, very onward Christian soldier, apologetics, defending the faith, everything that you would avoid. That was probably me in high school. Um, but then I was with all these friends that were not Christians and I started to really piece together like, wow, they're, they're friends with me with no judgment. They don't bring up my beliefs at all. So like, you know, maybe in returning the favor, um, that will go a long way. And at the time, maybe, um, again, I don't fully know my intention because it was so long ago, but at that time I was kind of getting in my head, like I I'll play like the long game, you know, I will show them my beliefs rather than telling them. And, you know, I really, I thought about the, the idea of planting seeds And I thought about what Paul said to become all things to all people. And one of my favorite things that um, Jesus says is when he's riding into Jerusalem and the crowd's really loud and the the Pharisees are like, yeah, get everyone to stop shouting. You're making a commotion. And Jesus says, well, if they were quiet, then the rocks and stones would cry out. And so that gave me like this idea that I don't need to say things. I could just be. I could just be myself and they will see just as I'm learning from them, they'll learn from me that, um, oh, wow. You know, he goes to church every Sunday, but like he hasn't quit on me and, 
you know, uh, uh, he knew I was a drug addict before I knew I was a drug addict and he was still my friends. And, you know, uh, I'm a totally different religion and that doesn't bother him at all. We still hang out. We still play video games. We still talk and it's just not a factor. And, um, and so that was a real practice of, of grace that I took hold of. And I just really ran with it to this day in which I still have those same friends. I never really had Christian friends. I think the Christian friends I have now, maybe I could count on one hand. Um, and some of them are like my best friends in the entire world, but we're talking about my friends that, you know, I'm going to be 40 this year. And we, my one friend, Matt, his last name's Murphy. My last name's Murray. So we've been friends ever since we were sat next to each other alphabetically. Um, and so this, this real, just letting your character speak, letting your actions speak, not your words, show them love, show them compassion with no strings attached. Don't say I'm showing you compassion because I love Jesus and you should too. No, just maybe it won't. Some, some of my friends, the topic of my faith didn't come up for like 30 years and now they'll ask me questions about it and we'll have good conversations, especially cause we're, um, older. And so, you know, this is going to lead me into further into this conversation where we're going to talk about some conversations recently that I had with some um, atheist people that they're not really friends because they're strangers online, but we'll, we'll get into that. Um, but it was, it was this practice too, that showed me that even a like a non-believer to use like, you know, Christianese, like a non-believer can show me so much about God and the way God works by their actions. Like I have a, you know, a friend that I just kind of recently reconnected with. We never lost touch, but we, we didn't stay in touch. And he was probably the first atheist I ever met. Like that was true, true blue, um, an atheist. And man, they were like the nicest person. They were like such a great friend at the time when we met, um, a mutual friend of ours, uh, passed away and it was like devastating. Cause we were like 20 years old, um, or maybe like 23 and she was just going to turn 21 and it was, um, she got sick and just meningitis and it was, it was horrible. And we were, maybe from the outside people might have looked down at us because we're at that age and we're hurting. So we're just drinking, we're sharing cigarettes, we're um, living in a way that maybe from, like I said, the outside, you might look down on, on it, but like, what a good friend and companion to just like lean on each other. And, you know, I think he leaned on me a little bit because I was having a slightly easier time because of my faith than maybe he was, but we were both just in it together. And, um, and then it's just like, Oh, what am I like? God doesn't need Christians to, to work, to share truth, to share love. Like that's just not needed. Like rocks and stones could cry out rocks and stones aren't Christians. Like, and so, you know, even from my, my non-believer friends, I was just like learning all this compassion and love and grace and really not to judge a book by its cover and um, not to assign like qualifications on who should be my friend and who shouldn't be. So, um, and so that's why I think that we 
can really do a lot of good and really progress regardless of our beliefs if we police ourselves. You know, if we put the focus on ourselves rather than, say, trying to make laws that prevent other people from living in a way that makes us uncomfortable. Rather than that, we just focus on ourselves. And, you know, if we do believe in the Bible, because I don't want to make that assumption for, for everyone that's listening, but to use the Bible as an inspiration for our lives and how we want to live, rather than using it to justify hating somebody, justify judging somebody, condemning them, you know, rather than using it as justification for this stuff, use it for inspiration for ourselves. And this is a, a harder path, um, of course, because it's just easier to write people off. It's easier to, if you don't like something, let's just try to find a way to make it that no one could do it. Rather than having to kind of like live and wrestle with that, um, that nuance, you know, um, the conflicted feelings that we have, it really like challenges ourselves, And especially in, you know, modern times where you'll like an actor, you'll like a wrestler, you'll like a musician, and then you learn bad things about them. You'll like a comedian. And then all of a sudden they start saying jokes that you don't like, or you find stories about how they were, you know, um, when they were, were coming up to be a comedian and you're, then you have to wrestle with, uh, man, he really makes me laugh, but I don't know. I don't, I, it's not something that I really want to surround myself with, you know? Uh, for me, I, I love Quentin Tarantino. I love his movies. There's some movies that I won't watch. Other people love them. That's great. I actually love them as a whole too, but I won't watch them because I don't want to hear the N word like 65 times in two hours. Like I just don't want to do it. And, you know, but should I try to say like, no, let's, let's cancel him. Let's no one watches movies. You shouldn't watch it. You're a bad person. If you watch it, it's like, no, that's, it's me. I got to police myself. I don't condemn him or anyone that likes him. It's just like, why am I going to watch a movie? If I'm going to be so uncomfortable, why am I going to listen to this comedian? If I'm going to be so uncomfortable, you know, but you do have to wrestle with it. You know, when the uh, remix to ignition comes on, I want to dance, but it's like, no, I, I don't. I'm uncomfortable now. I, that song like slaps so hard, but I just, I don't know. It just makes me feel uncomfortable. Like, so I don't want to do it, but it is hard, right? It'd be so much easier if I was like, no, screw that. I'm never going to listen to that song again. And every time it comes on, I change it. And I'm like, la, 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 la. But it's like, ugh. It's, 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 so it's, it's a harder path, but I think it's worth it because it gives us an understanding for nuance and for humanity and recognizing it in other people. And I'm not saying to make excuses for them. I'm just saying it helps us see the world more gray and not as black and white. So it is harder. It's, it's a lot of discomfort, but it's like, okay, but I'm seeing the world more for the way it really is rather than my binary thinking of right and wrong. So we'll, we learn more and we get more out of it, but it's definitely a harder path. Um, so this leads us into talking about the Bible because I love the Bible. <laughs> I know that sounds corny, but that's always been my thing ever since I was 
in second grade and um it wasn't uh yeah it was i forgot the reason it was kind of like a moving up thing like so where you go from like sunday school to kind of more less preschooly kind of Sunday school. And they gave us a Bible. I think it was a NIV, that black uh, fake leather, um, you know, with the gold, the gold trim uh, on the pages and the onion skin. And it was just like, I just loved it. it. Like it felt like magic to me. Like it felt like, wow, I'm not holding a, a regular book. And I just, and then once my mom shared with me that you could highlight stuff, like, you know, I thought it was so holy that you almost didn't want to even break the spine. But he's like, no, underline stuff, highlight stuff, make notes in the margins. Then it was, oof, it was game over. I was like hooked. It was, uh, it was like my first like obsession that has never ever ever left me. Um, but in this crazy world that we live in now, the Bible comes up a lot, and it's usually in a very not great way. So. You know, uh, my wife, she went to, that was very hard to not say like Borat, just so you know, but, <laughs> but my wife went, um, you know, she went to re religion class, she would go to mass, but she was not nearly as into the Bible as I was. And so she will have questions from time to time. And one of the things is, that she asked recently is why like what's basically like what's up with the book of Leviticus because every time there's a protest or a rally or the Bible used as a weapon and hate speech, there's always a reference to Leviticus in it. And so she was just like, what is that? And so I was just trying to, it's hard for me to explain sometimes because I don't mean this to sound arrogant, but after studying it for so long, like my, my whole life, like I have to try to, like you don't want to like talk down to someone. You don't want to mansplain, but you don't want to just assume that they also magically have 30 years of, of knowledge in this topic. But I was trying to just explain that that's where a lot of the laws that were given to Moses really come into play. It's like basically like a legal document you know, do this. Don't do that. You can't do this. If you do this, you should be killed. Um, but where the struggle is, is th that's a great place. If you want to find justifications for hating someone or why they're a bad Christian or why the world's going to hell, like that's the book to look in because that's the easiest to take out of context. You know, the historical context of, well, it was laws for this specific group of people to follow. And that's how they got their salvation by following these rules. And if you broke them, you had to do a sacrifice. But the issue is, that that's not really the case anymore. Um, if you, if you like believe in, in Christianity or in Jesus, I, I struggle with that because I, if someone asked me if I'm a Christian, they better be ready for like a 10 minute answer on the nuance of, of the word. But um, I, but if you believe that, then like that law doesn't matter, right? Like Jesus didn't, didn't come to destroy it. He came to fulfill it. So if it's fulfilled, we don't need it anymore. So it is something that drives me crazy when Christians use it to say like, this is why you're going to hell. And you're like, uh, no, that's not the case. And from there, the, 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 her questions kind of start to, to go. Um, 
to go, wait, so because uh, she then asked about Galatians because I was editing Galatian talk and this is the Galatian study. And if you don't know the Bible, you're like, what the heck is Galatians? But like, you know, so I was trying to explain it was a letter that was written and it's such a great letter on grace. And it's one of the probably the first New Testament writing that was ever discovered. And um, then she was like, oh, wait, so uh, she's like, I'm sorry if this is like embarrassing, but like, is all of the Bible just letters? And I was like, no, the New Testament is a lot of letters. Uh, and if they're not letters, they're accounts. Like the, the gospels aren't letters because they're not signed. Love, <laughs> love always, Matthew. Um, but they are like accounts. And then I was getting into how there's a section that's wisdom. There's a section that's poetry. There's a section that's history, prophecy, and like all the, the different breakdowns of it. And then she, she said something that just, it, it like changed the whole topic of conversation, uh, direction of the conversation. She goes, yeah, oh, this is so interesting because I always kind of looked at it just the way everyone else does as, you know, as this holy book, like the most holy book that, that we have. And I kind of like flinched like that. And she was saying, um, what, what I was like, oh, I just, it dawned on me that I don't know the last time that I saw the book, the Bible as a holy book. And she could not like grasp that at all, but it's with all this, the years of study, all I see is what it's comprised of. And so the example that we use is we go to a wedding and they go, love is patient, love is kind. Like she's, she's getting a feeling of hearing a Bible verse. I'm basically in my head looking over Paul's shoulder while he writes like an email to the, to uh, the Corinthians. And so I was like, wow, like all, that's all I see. I just see, you know, all right, this is history. These are legal documents. Uh, you know, these are letters, these are gospels. And it was just like, wow, the thing that I love the most in the world, like doesn't have that magic for me anymore. And that was like, that was like crushing. And so, but instead of being defeated, I was just like, how am I going to get the magic back? for this. And it's, it's funny because there's a comedian that I love. Uh, his name's Nate Bergetzi. Look him up. His, he's just, I don't know. I think he's hysterical. Um, I think even if you're not a stand up comedy person, you'll be like, Oh, wow, this guy is really funny. But he was doing, uh, an interview with another comedian and they asked about Nate's dad and Nate goes, Oh, my dad was a musician. Uh, a magician all growing up, you know, he was a clown and a magician. And so the interviewer goes, Oh, so you could, can you do magic? And he goes, I can't do magic, but I could ruin it for you. Meaning that, you know, the, he has seen behind the tricks and the illusions. And so he knows how it's done. So it's not magic to him anymore. It's magic to you. But if you ask him, all he could do is ruin it for you. And I thought that was great and fit very well with um, this conversation. So um, one thing that I kind of discovered is for me in my quest to try to get some magic back into the Bible. So it's not just, you know, a book of documents comprised in, uh, you know, pocket sized or however big you need it is that I found that the looser my grip on the Bible was, the more 
the magic started to come back in because I would see the magic in, in other things. I would see it um, in, you know, say like commandments aren't commandments, they're promises. And um, just the, all of a sudden there's humanity injected into this because it's, instead of using Paul's letter to condemn everyone, you go like, oh, okay. So this specific church was really struggling and they were asking him and this was his response and wow. Yeah. Okay. So he's not mad at people that, you know, fornicate. He's just kind of saying like, no, you guys need to stop doing that because you're not at a place where you can do that. Like, and so I started to really get some of the magic back by having this, this loose, looser grip, not making it so literal. Um, and then what I'll get into in a little bit is learning that true and literal are not the same thing. They don't equal each other. And um, one of the, the things that helps me with that loosening of the, the grip of it is that to, um, to remember that in a very real, literal sense that's still around today, that the fact that it's in written form, not like if it was just in, the fact that it's in written form is problematic in terms of interpretations and how we read things. And the fact that it's translated into another language that we could read is another layer of complexity that where things could get muddied. So you're like, all right, so I can't go really saying like, this is what it says because I'm at most, like at mi bare minimum, like two or three times removed from, from the intention. And now we under, we've probably all encountered in our own lives issues of this. You know, I don't know if anybody in chat speaks a different language. Um, my best friend, his name is also Josh. He, his parents were missionaries. So he grew up in the Dominican Republic and he went to school in Ecuador. And now we look very similar. He's as white as me, we're like the whitest people you could get, but he's, he's fluent in Spanish. And so, so many times he'll hear a joke in Spanish and it will crack him up and I'll be like, Oh, what's so funny. And he's like, ah, I don't, I don't know how to translate it. That it will be as funny. You know, it's, it's a, it's, you know, it's a little perverted joke and the glasses and these things are called feet. And it's like, and I just like, okay, so there's stuff that he could understand and, and laugh at and get the context and, and all these other things. But he's like, I can't, it just doesn't work in your language. Right. So I'm sure we've all either experienced that or been in his shoes and be like, I can't explain that to you. I, I have no idea. And then in the, you know, and then when it's written, this is the crux of so many of the issues today is because, you know, um, there's, there's actually a great key and peel sketch where the two guys are texting each other. And one's like, um, do you still want to, Hey, do you still want to get together today? And the other guy's like, do I still want to get to get, what, do you not want to hang out with me anymore? Yeah, sure. Dude, let's hang out. And the other guy's like, oh yeah, sure. Let's hang out. You know? And it's just very funny or the great joke in my cousin Vinny, where they, they're interrogating him and like, so, and that's when you shot the clerk. And he's like, wait, I shot the clerk. Like I, I shot the clerk. And then they read the transcript. And he's like, and he said, I shot the clerk. I shot the clerk like, and you, it's like, so, um, 
that's basically what's hap that happens with the Bible. You know, um, the, the, the big fancy printer that we use at my job, um, it was manufactured in Japan. So the, the way they do divider tabs, you know, like, um, just divider tabs. There's no other way to say it. Um, is it's, it's stacked backwards. So if you want to print, you know, um, one through five, you kind of, you have to like flip them over and have them stacked a certain way. And I wasn't in the office and they needed to print something. So someone was, I left instructions for them and they kept texting me like, sorry to bug you, but this isn't working. And I was trying to talk them through it. And what happened is I said, all right, so you lay it out like this and then you flip it and you put it in. And they were having the hardest time because they had it like this and then they flipped it. And I was like, no, I said, flip it. He's like, yeah. And I was like, no, like over, it's like, oh, rotate it. And so you're like, all right, there's another perfect example of miscommunication where it really is so, makes so much sense to each person involved. But then all of a sudden there's this, um, we're not speaking the same, um, about the same thing at all. And that's what happens with, with the Bible, right? Um, the intention of what Jesus is saying, once the last word leaves his mouth, that intention is unknown to anybody else, right? Once Paul writes, once, you know, he writes the letter and the ink flows through his feather or whatever they used, um, once it's out, the intention's lost forever because only he could tell you what his intentions were. Only Jesus could tell you what his intentions were. And we see it right away where Jesus will say something to the disciples and like, all right, I got it. And he's like, no, you don't. Like how many times do I have to tell you this? So it's not even days and years and weeks go by. It's moments go by and they don't understand what he's talking about. So for us to hold the Bible so closely, you know, all these thousands of years later, it doesn't really make sense. Right. And that's why all of a sudden they're holding it so tight that you lose your, um, your nuance. Right. So that's why all these contradictions are in the Bible. And like, are they really contradictions? Well, this says one thing, then here it says another. Well, you're talking to two different people for two different settings. And um, so that's what I think really helps with the, the um, getting the magic back. And so this will lead us to the, the remaining influence, uh, like uh, inspiration for this talk. Uh, on Instagram, there are a few accounts that I, I follow, and one of them is a, a fairly famous atheist, and I follow it, like, in a genuine sense. I'm not like, oh, let's see what they have to say now. Like, it just really, some points they make are really good, and some points they make, I'm like, oh, that's a stretch. Um, but every once in a while, this person will um, post something that kind of drives me nuts because it's on my end. Uh, it's a, it's an issue that I have where they'll post something trying to disprove the Bible by using the Bible. And that just drives me crazy. Um, you know, so this one was, oh, so you're telling me God put Adam and Eve in a garden unsupervised, told them not what to do left and then punished them for doing that. And you're just like, okay, I understand what you're going for, but 
if you don't believe in the Bible, then how are you using it to disprove itself? And so the analogy that I, and um, I left a, a comment, but I did it as a social experiment where I'm like, I'm going to be, make it abundantly clear that I'm being sincere. I'm not trying to start arguments. I'm not trying to start debates. I'm, and every response, if I get any, I'm going to be calm. If there's any misunderstanding, I'm going to take the brunt of it and apologize and try to clear myself. Because as we know on the internet, they'll be like, hey, I like this mug. And then the next thing, like, oh, how brain dead are you to like that mug? What are you know, like? Maybe if you were smart, you would know. And it just gets right. And so I was like, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm not going to fall into it. So my my example that I used uh, where my confusion is, is to me, it would be like saying, you know, here's my Star Wars mug, right? And someone's like, you know, Star Wars isn't real because they show explosions and noise in space and there are none. And you're like, mm, no, Star Wars isn't real because it's a movie. Like, you, why are you trying to use the in- universe stuff to prove that it's only a movie it's like no the fact that it was made by george lucas and these are actors that's why star wars isn't real and so that it, to me it just kind of seemed like uh well you can't use the bible to disprove the bible um that doesn't really make any sense and um so this it it turned into like a i don't know if i look now there's probably like 60 or seven, 70 um back and forths with different people. And then I'll, where, whenever I'm addressed specifically, uh, I'll go in and, and type. And one person accused me of cherry picking. And the thing that like, not, it didn't drive me crazy, but it like kind of struck me is that we all cherry pick. And I think this person was a believer and accused me of cherry picking. And the thing is like, but to think that you don't cherry pick is absurd because if we didn't cherry pick, we wouldn't have any different denominations, right? The, the only thing that separates denominations is they go like, oh, they believe in that, but we believe in this. Like, oh yeah, they take that scripture a little too literally. We don't do that. You know, Catholics think that they're really eating the, the, the body of Christ. Us is just a metaphor. Like, and so we all, the only reason why we have Calvinists, Baptists, Lutherans, Presbyterians, you know, CMA, and also because they all cherry picked on what they feel is the true meaning and the true believing, uh, uh, the true meaning of it. And so like, um, how, you know, how is that wrong? Because that's, that's what we do. And the, and Jesus even points this out, um, in his time talking to people, you know, cause the, the religious people were getting on his case and, um, and, you know, they're trying to catch him in all these like wrongs and he'll be like, um, well, you're, you know, the, what should I do on the Sabbath day? Should I just let someone die? Like, or should I help them? The Sabbath day is to help people not to hurt them. And then you're accusing me, but you say, honor your father and mother. Otherwise you, um, should perish. Um, which was interesting to me because he like paraphrased, um, two different scriptures of the time into one. And so I, I, I was like, Oh, that's, if that's a free pass for us to do it, to, to help illustrate our point. Um, so I did like that, but then he'll say, you'll say that, but then if it comes down to, Oh, I have this meat that I was going to sacrifice as an offering, but my parents are starving. I should help them and honor them. 
the Pharisees at the time were like, no, that's an offering to God. You have to make it. And so he's like, well, so what is it? You know, you are condemning my followers because they're not washing their hands before they eat, asking why they're not following the unwritten laws that were handed down. And so you guys are following the like laws that aren't even from God and putting them at more important than the, the ones, uh, the laws of God. So this cherry picking is been around forever and it's something that everybody does, including, I guess I would say including Jesus because that's, you know, he kind of says that he does, but to him, in my belief, it would have been a perfect understanding of it. So it's not really cherry picking, but, um, then I was also, um, I say accused, but I only say it like that because uh, I thought I was having a discussion because again, the way it is, I'm typing calm. And then someone was saying about like, uh, we're debating. And I wanted to be like, oh, we're debating. I was just having a conversation. I didn't know this was a debate because I wasn't engaging in that, right? My social experiment of being calm, being um, taking responsibility for misunderstandings and do, seeing if I could progress this along rather than just butting heads. But um, I think it was the same guy that accused me of cherry picking said that when I refer to the Bible, I I'm only considering the new Testament. And that's, that's wrong. When I say the Bible, I mean all of it, but it's also like not, not too off base because the old Testament has a ton of stuff. We could learn a ton of history, a ton of wisdom, um, a ton of lessons we could learn. But when it comes to the law and everything, I do kind of dismiss it unless it's for a historical context because Jesus fulfilled that in my, in my eyes. Um, so yeah, so it's like, I don't dismiss it at all. And I, when I refer to the Bible, I mean all of it, but for what we were talking about, I was only referring to the new Testament because that was the only thing in play when we're talking about law and sin and, um, basically the, the, um, how, how literal, the Bible should be taken. That's where this, this first post kind of got to in our conversations. And the, um, the, the threat kept going because on both sides of this discussion uh, of atheists and then like believers that chimed in, um, no one could fully grasp that I didn't care if the Bible was literal or not. And um, the reason I say that I don't care if it's literal or not is because as I kind of alluded to earlier, literal and true to me are not the same thing. And so whether I believe in things literally, or if they're meta just metaphors, like did Jonah really get swallowed by a big giant fish? Or is that a metaphor to talk about the, how Jesus is going to be buried and come back to life? Like um, it doesn't matter because it's like, it's true. Cause it's like, uh, this it's, it is hard to explain, but when I look at the Bible, right. It's, it's here, right. It's all, it's all written. It's here. It was, a, it was written by a whole bunch of different people. It was discovered all those years and centuries later, it was assembled. It was translated and all that stuff is here. Everything that means something to me, from the Bible, any wisdom I get from it, any help when I'm struggling with stuff, any confusion, uh, any uh, poetry, that's all here. 
So if it's um, if it's somehow like proven to be not true, like they make this great discovery that shows that there's no way that there's anything in here that's literally like they found definite proof of, I don't know, life on other planets or that evolution, they found this missing link and everything. Um, like these words don't fade away. Like it's the, the picture and back to the future, you know, um, what, like the wisdom that Solomon gives us in here, like Solomon doesn't just get like a dunce cap and have to stand in the corner now. Like this, it, none of that changes. Every helpful thing that we got in from this is still here and it's still helping us. So to me, the literal aspect, again, this is to me, doesn't matter because that's not what I'm pinning my my beliefs on or my love of God and my love of the Bible on is any literal aspect. It's the actual magic in it. Like the, when I go like, Oh man, that's so crazy. Like, Oh wow. That's, you know, when you read Ecclesiastes and he's talking about the, you know, how workers are exploited and you're like, how is that still happening today? And, you know, Solomon will say, there's nothing new under the sun. And you're like, Oh, there is nothing new under the sun. Like this is, they're still exploited. You know, dogs still return to their vomit, just like they did in his castle. Like in 2023, that's what dogs still do. Like to me, that like blows my mind. And so it's, so I don't care about like what I would consider the details. Um, so, you know, there was something that um, like years ago, they were trying to say, you know, oh, Shakespeare's not a real person. He didn't write all that stuff and you're like, mm. but it's all written and like, Oh yeah, but it might've been written by so-and-so. It's like, all right, then that person, Shakespeare and all the stuff that he's done for the English language, still someone did it. It's not like just because it's not assigned to the specific person we thought it was doesn't undo Romeo and Juliet doesn't just disappear. Someone wrote it. We read it, we teach it. So it, who cares about that, that minor detail? Um, because this, it, like scholars study this and they know it was assembled and this person wrote this and this person wrote this. So it's not like it's a novel written by Mark Twain that just has really good writing and, and everything. It's like, no, it is what it is, regardless of literal aspects of it. So, um, you know, because I don't think that Christianity is some sort of like, conspiracy i don't like full of greed and everything i have my problems with christianity and the church don't get me wrong but what i think happens is the people that we learn it from they grew up believing it because they learned it from someone that grew up believing it and they're believing what they're taught and just like how so they believed what they were taught and the person believed what you know what they thought and and all the way down so the people that are running the church and preaching from a standpoint that we deal with, you know, cause we're not going all the way up to the ladder to some like crazy eyes wide shut party or anything. The, the way that we deal with it, um, it is just people that are trying to carry on their traditions and understanding of um, Christianity and the Bible. So I understand that. And I understand fully, I promise that, the importance for some people to have the Bible mean what it means literally. Like, I know it's very important. And, you know, so to tug at a string undoes a thread that 
could have a domino effect and really give them a, a really bad crisis of faith. So I want to be respectful of that. So uh, again, I'm just talking about my experience and how I view the Bible, how I could get the um, some of the magic back that it had for me. And, um, and I come to these points of view because of like decades of deconstruction. And I know that's kind of a word that's thrown around a lot these days, but to me, deconstruction is exactly how it sounds. So I work in an engineering firm. I'm not an engineer. I'm a graphic designer. But, you know, there was a bridge on Long Island that needed to be fixed because it was 50 years old. I know people in other countries are like, 50 years old, that's nothing. But, yeah, it was like uh, all these years old and it was crumbling. They need to fix it. But Long Island's very big on history and appearance of things and not discrediting Robert Moses by replacing his design. So what they had to do is literally the, the stone fascia of all these kind of like um, big, like, I don't know, is it a cobblestone? Is a cobblestone big? But it's all like this mason work. They had to find a way to remove it, like get rid of the, the, the mortar without hurting the, the stone, number the stones, have a list of corresponding of where they go. And then once they rehab the bridge, the structural steel and the cement and the rebar, then they had to reconstruct it with those pieces to, um, to make it what it was and to make it what it was, but stronger. And so when I think of deconstructing, that's what I think of, because if they're not, if you're deconstructing and you're not reconstructing, then you're just destroying and that's not really helping and that's not deconstructing. So, um, but again, like this mindset that I have with the Bible is also why, even though I've studied it for so long, I feel like I have a lot of knowledge in it. I'm not really too popular uh, at Bible studies and I don't often get invited back. And it's, I don't try to be like a, a, a nudge about things. It's just, um, I guess I play a little fast and loose with like, I don't, I don't mind the breakdown of it because to me it's still true. And so, you know, I'll say there'll be, um, you know, one uh, funny story is they'll, they're doing a study on King David. And I was saying like, well, the one thing we have to remember is David's mental health. And aside from that, he was kind of like a scumbag and he's just, he wasn't, he's not that great of a person that needs to be taken into account. And then everybody clutched their pearls and no, how can you say that about, uh, King David and they were all up in arms. And then the pastor comes in cause he was late and he's trying to get ca caught up. And he's like, well, we have to also remember that David, he wasn't a very nice guy. He did a lot of really bad things. And everyone's like, wow, pastor, that's a really good point. You really, that really opens it up. And you're just like, that's exactly what I said. But I understand that I said it in a much more harsh way. And then if you're blinded by projections of how I look and tattoos and my age and the fact that I don't hold it literally as much as they do, it can be um, very blinding. And it just, it does get frustrating because you're like, oh man, I have such a deep love for it. Like it's not a contest and I can't say, but it's a, almost like, I probably love it, the Bible more than you guys. And then you're just like dismissing it because of these like things that don't matter. Like, uh, so um, then oftentimes in 
my my life and um my interactions with atheists or agnostics or a combination of the both um i've found that their atheism or or beliefs comes more from the the trauma of religion and the hurt that's been done by christians to them by um pastors and i'm not always talking about an abuse thing i'm talking about like just damage you know i, I know a lot of people in college that maybe before they were saved they had sex on prom night and then they go to college and they keep telling her that oh you can't have sex before you're married and it's like well that bell's unrung and so it really hurts them and that's where a lot of this this trauma um comes from but the funny for lack of a better word the funny thing with that is in doing so they have the same literal grasp on the Bible that they hate as like the evangelicals do. You know, that's why there'll be posts about, well, how can Adam and Eve be true if the Bible says this or what? And you're like, you're not leaving any room that maybe you were taught wrong by somebody that was taught wrong by someone that was taught wrong. Maybe we are misunderstanding this. Um, and the, um, so it would get passed down. And so when they get too bogged up, bogged down in this, you're like, I think you guys are blind that you're, you're holding it the same. Like, you know, fundamentalists and atheists very have a very, very similar view on the Bible. If you really think about it. And, uh, I don't, again, I'm not throwing shade at, at anybody. Um, I, this is just my observations. And if you, if you've ever seen the show community, Great show. Another one of my obsessions. Um, but the, um, the two characters, there's, you know, a lot of like, will they, won't they like, you know, um, Ross and Rachel type vibes with them. Um, the two of the main characters, Jeff and his, you know, object of his desire, the woman of his desire, Britta. And in one scene, they want to go to a bar and, um, Jeff goes, let's go to L street and the Brita, because he wanted to go that bar is like L street. No, that, that place sucks. Let's go to the red door. He's like the red door that I hate that place. That place is so stupid. Like, and it goes on for the whole episode. It's like sporadic. They're making fun of red door, L street, more like do street. Oh, red doors for losers. And then they, so they pick another bar they go to, they get drunk and they're getting driven home in the back seat and they pass a bar and like, that's where we should have gone. And Jeff is like, yeah, L street. And, um, he's like, no, that's not L street. That's the red door. It's like, no, it's called L street because it's on L street. No, it's called the red door because it has a red door. And so the whole time they're arguing over this bar that is the same exact literal same exact bar but they were hating it because the other person wanted to go there and they were having issues with the other person. And um, sometimes we kind of fall into that trap where they'll be like, you know, someone might be like, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in the Bible. And then if asked, they'll be like, well, how could you believe in God if the Bible says blah, 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 blah. And you're like, Oh, so you're taking it literal now too. Like very confusion, confusing. So, um, the, the thing that, that kind of stinks with that is that God gets the brunt of that, right? And like, you know, the message gets the brunt of that frustration and anger. 
and there's no room for like, oh, maybe, maybe we're wrong here. Maybe, maybe what they taught me was, was wrong. And I'm not trying to convert anybody. Cause I, like I said, I don't even know what I would consider myself. Um, but these are just the observations that I have. Um, because again, in similar in the conversation that I was involved in on Instagram, a lot of times what I'm having a discussion with, uh, an atheist, a non-believer, anything there, it's always creation, Adam and Eve, Noah and the big flood. And then it kind of like peters out. Right. And you're just like, 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 look, look at this thing. I know I sound like I'm trying to sell it like a used car salesman, but this is just part of my journey to get the magic back too, right? Like the Bible's so much bigger than this and your argument, I, I don't want it to sound like I'm trying to prove anything, but I, I'm, I'm thinking you guys are with me and understanding this, but it's like, like, you know, like you're, it's like this much of like, of the, like the Bible like right here is what they're arguing. And this is how much is left, right? There's so many, so much nuance, so much, many great stories, so much wisdom in it. And so much bigger than Adam and Eve and creation and, and um, Noah and, um, you know, there's, what is there? 30 something books in, in here. And each book has a bunch of different chapters and each chapter has like, you know, a different story. Sometimes, sometimes each, like, you know, you look at first and second Kings and I think every chapter is a, a, a new story and you're like, um, yeah. So, so go deeper than it. And it might, it might not prove itself to you or anything, but you know, I'll, I'll deal with people that will say, no, uh, trust me, I've read the Bible. And you're like, what did you, I don't want to call anyone a liar, but yeah, no, I've read it more than once. I don't even know if I did. I've been studying it for 30 years. I know for certain I have never gone cover to cover. I am sure that I have read it in segments multiple times because I'll be like, Habakkuk, I've never heard that book before. And then I'll turn to it and it'll just have a bunch of writing and highlights. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I did. Um, but to me, you know, I, I was saying how I was, um, you know, been obsessed with wrestling recently. And so to me, somebody making that argument about, you know, like, oh no, uh, the, the Bible's not true. And you know, it's, it's just like, it's so thick and so full of so many great things. And they're only talking about like the first, you know, 40 chapters of one book. Um, it would be like, if you're, if so if you're a wrestling fan, if you encounter someone like, Oh, Mick Foley, he was kind of boring. I saw him once as like dude love and it was it was boring. I turned it off. You'd be like, what? Like you so you've never seen Hell in the Cell, you've never seen him get thrown off from the top of the, the cage. Like you you don't have a grasp on him just because you saw one fragment of one match one time. Um and so well, that's where we run into the dangers of the um a burden of proof, right? Where either we require a non-believer or atheist to explain, to disprove it to us, or they require us to prove it to them. And the fundamental issue with this is that we're just people with human understandings. Some of us have not studied it in college or beyond, you know, some of us have not really gone to Bible studies. So it's like, if you're basing whether the whole of the Bible is true based on what I do and do not know, then I'm sorry. Then it's going to be proven. Like I, there's n nothing I could do about that. I, 
I know way too little about it. The only thing I know is that I don't know anything about it. And so, but the same for them. If you're like, oh, you have to prove it to me. It's like, they they won't be able to. So to put the burden of proof on somebody in which a whole religion or belief structure or lack of uh, a belief in God hinders on one individual knowing in that moment the answer to a question is dangerous. And that happens very much in politics too, as we know. Oh, if you're against this policy, what would you do? I don't know. I'm not a political science major. I have no idea. <laughs> I just know that I do not like this. And um, someone did ask me um, how I would disprove the Bible since I was saying you can't use anything from the Bible to disprove. Not that you can't, but it just didn't make sense to me. Like I said, it'd be like using the in-universe um, world of Star Wars to prove that Star Wars is a movie when it's just like, no, like it, you could see it in theaters. You could stream it. You can rent it. That's so. Um, but of course it was a bit of a trap too, that I was lucky enough that I saw because I can't use anything from the Bible, right. In my defense. And if I say, Oh, well, science and history, then they could point to all the times that science and history have done it. And it's ignored. Um, so my answer was kind of like having to do more of a study in it. Like what, like when was it assembled? When was this written? Um, did, did any king or emperor or anything insist on changes being made? And did those change changes stay? You know, if you study revelations, is it really a book of revelations or was it a hidden message to, to the persecuted about what's going on and it's all written. So it looks like gibberish, but it, um, but it really is code and you would have to understand the code for it. Um, so, but again, all that would really disprove would be any like divine inspiration for the Bible, because like I said, it's like, it's here. It's, it's like there. And I'm not saying, again, I'm saying it's a different kind of truth for me that that it's true. It's um, just because it's literal. It could be everything that people think is literal could be metaphor. It could just be a, an example, a story, a parable. Okay. Like that's, then it's not literal, but it doesn't mean that it's not true. And that, you know, what, what Jesus says that inspires me to be a better person doesn't disappear just because you find out that Noah never built an ark. <laughs> like, uh, so, um, and so then I was starting to think that maybe that's where the magic is that I lost that I'm trying to get for, get. And uh, I thank you guys because in talking about this, I am feeling it again, you know, because it is there. There's like so much that goes beyond the literal in here. There's so many, the ideas that it was written by so many different people and compiled, but still makes sense with, yeah, you'll find things that don't, line up but like so much of it does and it was written by different people like so long ago and you're like wow so a you know so there's parallels between jonah and the the cities that they uh they visited and peter after the crucifixion where he visited um you know or like the fact that jesus says that he came to fulfill the law right and to my understanding, uh, in Hebrew, Jesus's name is Joshua, same as mine. So he came to fulfill the law, 
um, the law of Moses, right? So it's not needed anymore. And if you go to the book of Joshua, what ha- it happens right after Moses is dead and it starts with Moses is dead. So you're like, that's a crazy parallel that seems magical to me. The, or like the idea that somebody maybe, you know, if, if it's all made up that like, oh no, someone will pick up on this thread later on. Like, I just, I don't get that. And, um, or, um, you know, that it will talk about, um, you know, that Elijah, um, and Elisha are like going to be like, are parallels with Jesus and John the Baptist. And they talk about like, how Jesus is setting us free and breaking the yoke of slavery. And then when you first find Elisha, he literally is breaking up a yoke to um, use as firewood. You're like, that's, that's awesome. That's like an awesome nuance that amazes me that it's, it's in there, you know? So, um, you know, if, if no flood ever happened, like, I don't, I don't care. That's, that's like a magical thing that those things weave together after all from the time Moses died to the time Jesus says, I come to fulfill the law. I don't know how many, but it's by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, if not thousands. Right. Um, because people, there's some guy in Genesis that again, not saying that it's literal, but that lived to be like a 900 and something years old. So it's like, I don't understand fully the time jumps in it, but like, wow, that's like really cool. So maybe there's truth in here beyond the literal. And so that's what I found with, um, Loosening my grip um, gives it some of the the magic back and the importance of wrestling with it. Ah, wrestling, you like that? This was actually unintended. Um, but the the fact that like there's a story in Genesis in which Jacob wrestles with God or with an angel and they wrestle all night and he's fighting for Jacob's fighting for a blessing. He's like, I'm not going to let you go. I'm going to keep you in, keep fighting you, keep wrestling with you until I. I learn what this is till I get this blessing until you bestow it on me. And so like, why would we stop doing that? Why is it discouraged to wrestle with God, to wrestle with Bible and to wrestle with the, the complex things and scary things in it. And, um, and then as for my social experiment, um, as I said, by doing that, by being gentle and kind, I was able to um, have a thread of, of all people that are not arguing and to my knowledge be pretty civil to be, I'm not saying it's all my doing, but to not confront it, to not bash heads to be like, Oh, thank Thank you so much for your insight. That's really interesting to think about and to just focus more on not being right on not proving them wrong on not having the last word. And it really made for it set up this talk and it's talks long. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, so I think it was pretty successful and hopefully maybe we can learn to do that in real life as well and take um, some of our pride and stubbornness out of the equation for a bigger community um, experience. So that's all I have again. Sorry that it was long. Um, I never know. I don't practice these ahead of time, so I don't know how long it's going to be. So um, about an hour and 15 minutes. Oh boy. So, um, but Thank you, everyone. Um, if you have any questions, I'll stay on for a few uh, few minutes. Um, 
me and Jay are trying to figure out where revolution's going. Um, we haven't fully worked on it, but we're, we're kicking thoughts around, but any donations help, um, help us stay afloat. So, um, you know, you could go to the website, um, I'm sure on, on the website, on posts, on the, on YouTube, I said the YouTube, like I'm uh, my, my niece, uh, that, um, there's links to it and you click donate. We're working on getting Venmo. So it's more than just PayPal, but, um, so thank you guys very much. And, uh, I hope you have a great extended weekend. Um, I encourage everyone to watch wrestling and have fun. And, uh, Oh, <laughs> Charles, thank you so much. That's very, very nice of you. Thank you. You got it. Thank you guys. Um, so let's, uh, everyone get on with our, with our day and, uh, thank you and everybody have fun and maybe watch some wrestling and laugh and embrace the chaos of it all. So, all right. Thank you guys. Um, and I will talk to you guys later. Bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.